Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In Ursula K. Le Guin's third Earthsea novel, The Farthest Shore, we get to learn quite a bit more about dragons and encounter many more of them in the narrative than we have in A Wizard of Earthsea and in The Rule of Names. It's actually the same dragon <laughs> in both of those, right? And one of the most important ones in this story is called Orm Embar. There's also another earlier dragon named Orm, who is Orm Embar's kinsman. And that is a, this legendary dragon who fought Aerith Ekpa, the great culture hero of Earthsea, both of them killing each other in the process. And Orms, the original Orms bones, are actually part of a, a structure that's going to show up a little bit later. Orm Embar is very much alive, and he, in fact, is the first dragon who we're going to encounter in this narrative about uh, two-thirds of the way through. He seeks Ged out. There's a backstory there that we'll go into shortly, but he seeks get out on the open sea, landing on one of the rafts. And here's the, the account that takes place. The mage looked up startled, his face became fierce and exulting, and he shouted aloud in the old speech of the making, Nam Hithwa Arged Arkanasaf, which in the speech of the making is, If thou seeketh Ged, here find him. And like a golden plummet dropped with wings held high outstretched vast and thundering on the air with talons that might seize an ox as if it were a mouse with a curl of steamy flame streaming from long nostrils the dragon stooped like a falcon onto the rocking raft and there's a little bit further description the dragon hovered above them 90 feet maybe he was from tip to tip of his vast membranous wings that shone in the new sunlight like gold shot smoke and the length of his body was no less but lean, arched like a greyhound, clawed like a lizard, and snake scaled. Along the narrow spine went a row of jagged darts like rose thorns in shape, but at the hump of the back, three feet in height, so diminishing that the last at the tail tip was no longer than the blade of a little knife. These thorns were gray, and the scales of the dragon were iron gray, but there was a glitter of gold in them. His eyes were green and slitted. And interestingly enough, the chief of these people, you know, seeing this massive dragon says, well, I better do something about this. Comes out with a harpoon and Arryn tackles him and says, stay out of this one. Just let Ged handle it. So why is the dragon there? He is seeking Ged out specifically. Arryn or Lebanon is going to be coming along for the ride. And there is a mission in mind, one that ties in with their larger quest. So the dragon speaks with Ged in the old speech. The voice was soft and hissing, almost like a cat's when he cries out softly in rage, but huge. And there was a terrible music in it. They speak, and then the mage answers one word. Memias, I will come. And he lifted up his staff of you wood. The dragon's jaws opened to coil of smoke, escaped the gold wings, clapped like thunder, making a great wing that smelled of burning. And he wheeled and flew hugely to the north. And at this point, what are they going to do? Ged says, now we have to go. Say your farewells and, and come. And they get into look far, Ged's boat. And now they're going to pull out the stops of magic. In the past, Ged was 
content to let the winds more or less take them where they were going to go. Now he is going to use all that's at disposal of the wind key and follow all the way to Celador. A thousand miles, it's mentioned. What is the backstory here that we have? Ged tells us that was Orm Embar, the dragon of Celador, kin to the great Orm who slew Aerith Akba and was slain by him. And Aaron says, was he hunting, Lord? Hunting me? <laughs> when dragons hunt, they find he came to ask my help. And then Ged says, and that is a thing I would not believe if anyone told me that a dragon turned to a man for help. And of them all, that one, he is not the oldest, though he is very old, but he is the mightiest of his kind. He does not hide his name as dragons and men must do. He has no fear that any can gain power over him, nor does he deceive in the way of his kind. Long ago on Celador, he let me live and he told me a great truth. He told me how the rune of the kings might be refound. To him, I owe the ring of Aerith Akba. Never did I think to repay such a debt to such a creditor. So the ring of Aerith Akba was the one that was restored in the previous novel, The Tombs of Atawan, and it's going to play a major role as well in the novels yet to come. So this is a pretty important thing. And notice what he says about this dragon. He does not lie or deceive the way that other dragons do. He doesn't hide his name because he has no fear of anyone. So this makes him rather unusual. Ged goes on a little bit and he says, he's going to show me the way I seek. He said, in the West, there's another dragon lord who works destruction on us and his power is greater than ours. I said, even than thine, Orm Embar. And he said, even than mine, I need thee follow in hand. And so that is exactly what they do. Ged and Arryn, who at this point, we may as well just call him Labanan by his true name, because that's what the dragon calls him. They follow and they go all the way to Celador. Orm Embar, his speech, he's going to be communicating with Ged and Labanan through a number of the incidents here. So he's informing Ged about what's happening. There's more to it. And as Ged says, dragons, it's kind of tough to figure out what they're saying sometimes the meaning precisely, you know, is the bad guy on Celador? Orm says yes and no. <laughs> So then you have to figure out what that means. But he's able to understand from this story that the other dragons, the ones that they encounter in the dragon's run, have had something absolutely central and vital, essential to them taken away. Their capacity to use the old or true speech, the language of the making. Dragons don't learn language. They already have, and you might say, swim in language. And to have that taken away, from them makes them like animals, which they aren't just brutes the way that other animals are. They're like human beings, except, you know, being dragon kind, of course. And so he's informing Ged about what's taking place that all of these other dragons have encountered whatever this enemy is, this dragon lord, and he, you know, they kill him and he keeps coming back. They become afraid of him. And through their fear, this allows him to take away from them their speech, which places them in this, this very bad situation. So Orm Embar is speaking with the two of them. And there's a couple interesting exchanges. I particularly like where he's talking with Lebanon because that in effect transforms him into a dragon lord, doesn't it? So there's a couple places where they wind up together. 
Aaron saw what might have been an eagle flying very high, but it was not an eagle. It circled and stooped. Down it came with that thunder and shrill whistle of outspread golden wings. The dragon crawled a little way down the slope and spoke. Agni Labanan, it said. Standing between it and Ged, Aaron asked, answered, Orm Embar. And he held his bare sword in his hand. It did not feel heavy now. And the dragon spoke again. Aaron could not understand. He said to the dragon, my lord is weary. He sleeps. And then notice what happens after this. At that Orm Embar crawled and coiled on down to the bottom of the dell. He was heavy on the ground, not lethe and free as when he flew, but there was a sinister grace in the slow pacing of his great taloned feet and the curving of his thorny tail. Once there, he drew his legs beneath him, lifted up his huge head and was still, like a dragon carved on a warrior's helm. Aaron was aware of his yellow eye, not ten feet away, and the faint reek of burning that hung about him. This was no carrion stink, dry and metallic, it accorded with the faint odors of the sea and the salt sand, a clean, wild smell. Gen Ged sleeps on, and Aaron finally falls asleep, waking up, finds the mage had sat up beside him, and Ged says to him, have you gotten so used to dragons you fall asleep between their paws? So, you know, this is something very unusual. Aaron, or Labanan, has gotten to experience something that very, very few people do, and he's participating in this dragon lordship of Ged himself. Now what ends up happening shortly after that is Orm Embar is robbed of his own speech. And this is a significant problem. Ged says he cannot speak. He cannot speak. The words of the making are taken from him. He is left like an adder, like a tongueless worm, his wisdom dumb. Yet he can lead and we can follow. So they go eight miles following Orm Embar. He crouches on the ivory sand, his head low like an angry cat's and his breath coming in gasps of fire. Some way before him, between him and the long breakers of the sea, stood a thing like a hut or shelter, white as if built of long blue bleached driftwood, but there was no driftwood on this shore which faced no other land. Aaron saw the ramshackle walls were built up of great bones, whale bones that he thought at first, and then saw the white triangles edged like knives and knew they were the bones of a dragon. And here they meet their enemy. Ged summons him. He doesn't have his name, so he just includes the enemy in the summoning. And then the guy shows up and says, oh, you can't summon me. I come of my own accord. I am no shadow. I'm only alive. And then he says, do you know what this is that I've got? He's got this long rod or blade of steel graven all down its length with runes and he says this is the staff of the gray mage and he reaches out with the steel blade to touch Ged who stood as if he could not move and could not speak. Aaron stood a pace between him and all his will was to move but he could not stir. He could not even put his hand on his sword hilt and his voice was stopped in his throat. And here is where Orm Embar acts. Over Ged and Aaron, over their heads, vast and fiery, the great body of the dragon came in one writhing leap and plunged down full force on the other, so that the charmed steel blade entered into the dragon's mailed breast to its full length. But the man was borne down under his weight and crushed and burnt. This kills Orm Embar. He vomits out gouts of fire and screams. He tries to fly, but cannot. Malign and cold, the metal lay in his heart. He crouched and the blood ran black and poisonous, steaming 
from his mouth, and the fire died in his nostrils till they became like pits of ash. He laid his great head down on the sand. So died Orm Embar, where his forefather Orm died, on the bones of Orm buried in the sand. And now it seems like all has really been lost. The dragon has been killed. He never recovers his voice. He sacrifices himself in some respect. Is he doing this just to attack the evil one? Is he trying to save Ged and Arryn? We don't know. What we do know of the effect, however, is that where Orm had struck his enemy to the earth, there laid something ugly and shriveled, like the body of a big spider dried up in its web. It had been burned by the dragon's breath and crushed by his taloned feet. As Aaron watched, it moved. It crawled a little away from the dragon. The face lifted up towards them. There was no comeliness left in it, only ruin, old age that had outlived old age. So Ged and Aaron saw at last the living face of their enemy. It turned away. The burnt blackened arms reached out and a darkness gathered into them, the same shapeless darkness that swelled and dimmed the sunlight. Between the arms of the unmaker, it was like an archway or a gate, though dim and without outline, and though it was neither pale sand nor ocean, through it was neither pale sand nor ocean, but a long slope of darkness going down into the dark. This is where the figure crawls into the broken body of the enemy. And Ged says to Labanan, Let's enter. And that is how they enter the dry land, the land of the dead, where they will now face the enemy. Orm Embar, through his sacrifice, has unwittingly produced this possibility of tackling the one who has been injuring and perhaps even destroying his kind. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.